You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. Fans and welcome to the same old Dolphin Show, sponsored by BetUS, part of the DolphinsTalk.com podcast network. I am Josh Katzker. With me today and every day is my brother from the exact same mother, Aaron the Brain. Aaron, say hello to the people. Hello to the people. Brain, I am amazed that I have managed to make it on here to do the show tonight because I just like literally moments ago stopped throwing up the Kool-Aid that I've been drinking for the past week. The the Miami Dolphins aqua and orange Kool-Aid that I've been sucking down for the past week. Oh my God, have I been doing nothing but puke it up for the past 36 hours. It has been, it's been a pretty rough go. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that that, uh, you know, was a pretty messy situation, but I'm sure that you've got some backup Kool-Aid ready for about a week or two from now when you've changed your tune. Oh, my God. It's this has been. Man, I don't know. I, I, I looked at that game. I was how do you watch that game that happened on Sunday and go, man, you know, I I really do feel good about this team right now. I don't think anybody could say that. The The yeah. question is, how bad do you feel about this team? The question is, are you ready to just blow the whole thing up again, fire everybody, clean house, even though we, we never <laughs> clean house, uh, and we'll, we might get to that later, uh, or are you willing to say, you know, this was bad, but this was just one game. We still have 15 games left, and, uh, you know, we can still make a good season out of this. Well, I mean... I think that all of what you just said is true. It's just really difficult to sort of focus on that in this particular moment, you know, like at this moment in time, it's kind of hard to think about silver linings. It's kind of hard to think about the, the, the good things that may still yet be to come because this was such a bad performance. It was, it was so bad. And, and I guess, there, there's a certain segment of the of the Dolphins fan base that is able to sit there and look at, and in, in spite of all of the good things that have been going on, that can see that there's kind of an undercurrent of, well, I don't know about this. I don't, this is a question mark, right? And all of the, the the question marks that have been there in the backs of people's minds in this Buffalo game came flying out to the forefront. Uh, it it was that kind of game where all of the little questions that you had about the team suddenly became big glaring red flags. Yeah. I mean, every, every single one of them, the, the offensive line uh, was obviously the big one Uh, Tua, although kind of hard to get too much onto Tua because he was knocked out of this game so early, but he was not without blame. I mean, part of the quarterback's job is to, 
to read what the defense is doing, understand where these blitzes are coming from, slide protection, uh, and have your hot reads, like know where these blitzes are coming from so that you don't put yourself in these kinds of positions. Um, but that looked bad. Uh, just the overall ineptitude of the offense. So I don't want to, uh, you know, let's not forget about something. Like you have a lot of people that, that were on Twitter yesterday saying, we need to fire the offensive line coach. This is the third offensive line coach that we've had in Brian right. Flores' three years. Right. By the way, this is the third, well, fourth offensive coordinator since it's co-offensive coordinators. This is the third offensive coordinator or offensive coordinating regime, if you want to call it that, that we've had in three uh, seasons. So even though Brian Flores has come in and he did a nice job with his defensive staff and he had all of his guys and they seem to know exactly what they're doing on that side of the ball. And Chris Greer seems to have done a decent, actually, no, screw that. Chris Greer hasn't done a good job. No, 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 because, no, no, no. because he hasn't done a good job. Most of what no. they're doing there uh, is, is guys that, uh, you know, either have been on the team for a while or they're veterans that they brought in, or they're just being coached up. These were like, you know, like guys like, you know, I mean, Emmanuel Ogba was like an afterthought. Zach Sealer was like a mid-season acquisition. These weren't like guys that, that Chris Greer went out on a limb for. And meanwhile, you got guys that they traded for in Bernardrick McKinney who aren't on the roster, who maybe, you know, you know, has a role on this team because maybe instead of us giving up 35, 40 yard runs on the first play of every freaking game, having a linebacker that can actually play middle linebacker and stuff a hole might actually have some value to this team. Uh, you know, screw that. Chris Greer has not done a good job, but Brian Flores seems to know what he's doing on the defensive side of the ball. But this team has no clue on the offensive side of the ball. Forget about Tua and, and the quarterback position for a second. They have no idea what they're doing when they're drafting offensive linemen. They have no continuity in the coaching staff. They have no commitment to the running game. They're not valuing the offensive, you know, the offensive positions on this roster by ignoring the center position again, by ignoring the running back position, even though I, I don't really care that much because I don't really care that much about the running back position. But all in all, they have shown that they don't care about that, that side of the football. And when you don't care about that side of the football you get shut out and that is what happened at home just an absolutely abysmal performance and the first time that I'm gonna sit here you know since you know week one a few years ago when we were playing with a bunch of scrubs against the Baltimore Ravens where I'm gonna say this team came in completely and utterly unprepared for this football game and I'm sorry but that goes on Coach Flores. Yeah, it was it was a failure in just about every way, shape, and form on Sunday for the Miami Dolphins as they lose 35 to nothing in their first game at Hard Rock Stadium in front of a full capacity home crowd since 2019. And that was what they got to watch. A 35-0 drubbing at the hands of the Buffalo Bills. This was this was just putrid in every way. And we're going to get into where the blame should be on, on who exactly should the blame be on. We're going to get into all of that today. And, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, what, what the reaction should be and how we 
move on from this and how we find a way to go forward. But first, just let's just talk about the news that we have as we're recording this on Monday night uh, after the game. So we know now that Tua's x-rays came back uh, negative, so it's just bruised ribs. But Brian Flores said in the presser today that he was in a lot of pain. He's still in some pain, and it's really going to ultimately come down to whether Tua is able to practice this week and, uh, you know, as to whether or not he, you know, just what his pain tolerance is. That's essentially what it's going to come down to if he's able to get to a place where he's able to practice. Um, it sounds to me like we're probably, if I, if I had to bet right now, I'd say it's probably 50, 50 who the starting quarterback is on Sunday. I would probably right now lean slightly towards Jacoby Brissett being the quarterback on Sunday, but you know, Flores said two is a tough kid and he's going to try to go. He apparently tried to come back into the game on Sunday, but just was in no shape, to, no, no, no condition to do it. But you're shaking your head here, brain. You think two is going to play on Sunday. Well, I, they they basically came out and they said there's nothing structurally wrong. So at this point, it's just pain tolerance. I'm sorry, but if you're a franchise quarterback and there's nothing physically wrong with you and it's just pain tolerance, no, you better be freaking playing. I mean, Phillip Rivers played with a torn ACL. I mean, granted, it was a playoff game, but come on, you're gonna you're gonna you're gonna miss a, a key game in the season because you've got a bruise. Like, no, no, I'm sorry. I don't care. And I'm not going to sit here. Like, I wouldn't play quarterback behind that offensive line with bruised ribs, but I'm not getting paid millions of dollars to do it. Like, you want to prove that you're a leader and that this is, you know, you're the franchise and that this team is going to be built around you. You need to play. If you're healthy, I get they took him out. They they went to I, I I fully think that they were waiting to see if they had any kind of chance to make that a game, and and then you know if it was close, they might have brought Tua back in uh, yesterday. I don't believe that uh, you know because they they ruled him out at the end of the third quarter, so I don't think it was that they knew it wasn't that serious at the time. Otherwise, they they would have ruled him out. Right away, they would have said, no, he's out. He's out for the game. But they were thinking about bringing him in. So he better be ready to play. If he's not ready to play, then to me, that's an indictment on Tua. And it's an indictment on the coaching staff. Because at that point, I'm going to accuse the coaching staff of just trying to protect this guy way too much. And just take off the kid gloves already. Let this guy freaking play. Let him earn his lumps. Let him go out and earn not only the paycheck, but the title of franchise quarterback, and let's see what we can do. Because I, we're I, Jacoby Brissett, like we're not going anywhere with Jacoby Brissett, and that's not to say that Jacoby Brissett can't go out there and do a serviceable job for one game. But there's not, there's nothing structurally wrong with Tua, so to bench him is just would be beyond me. And if he does, if he benches himself. I mean, that's that's a huge. Yeah, well, that's that's something else entirely. But, you know, it sounds like they were discussing possibly putting him putting him in a flak jacket to protect his ribs. And listen, at this point, you got to do whatever you can to protect this guy. He's he's playing behind five turnstiles. But, you know, you got to do something to protect him. So I guess they're going to evaluate things and we'll see. We'll see where he's at. We'll see what he's able to do. And uh, we'll, we'll get into the matchup you know, next, you know, later this week when we have more time to uh, delve into what's coming up next. But right now it's still, it's still fresh. The wound is still fresh. So we're going to still talk about everything that happened on Sunday. Let's, let's find uh, some, something before we 
get in on this offensive line because we're going to talk about the offensive line and, and how all of the failures that have led to the Dolphins having this particular offensive line in just a moment. But let's talk about if there was anything good to talk about in this game, it was that the defense did pretty much hold up its end of the bargain for, for most of the game. The run defense continuing to be an issue and Devin Singletary on his first carry, second play from scrimmage, gashing the defense for 46 yards. That's a problem that continues to be a problem. The secondary continues to do a very solid job. I thought the defensive line, uh, for for as much as they're maligned in their ability to help with the run with run stopping, did a pretty good job pressuring Josh Allen for for most of the game, and they were able to. He was certainly not the Josh Allen of last season, right? So there's a positive there. Uh, they they forced the turnover for the 24th consecutive game. So yay, hooray, the go defense. Um, but I mean that's kind of it, right? I don't know that there's much deeper that you can go than that than saying the secondary did a really good job they didn't get beat over the top too bad I mean Stefan Diggs mossed Xavier Howard in garbage time at the end but you know uh, largely the problem with this team isn't the defense and I think anybody with with two eyes that can see straight and even some people who probably can't understand that about the Dolphins I mean if the problem was the defense we'd be looking at an 0-16 team right now yeah or 0-17 yeah, that's right. It's it's 2021. If if a team goes winless, they'll be the first team in NFL history to go 0 and 17. Luckily, that's not going to be us because we got our win already. But uh, yeah, anything you want to say? Say anything positive about the defense? You, do you have any positivity to share at all? I thought the defense kept them in this game to the point where, you know, if the offense had done a few things differently this actually could have been a football game. Right, right. And see, so that's the, that's the thing, right? Uh, for as bad as this game was, as bad as this performance was, and this is where that, what goes back, I think, to your point at the beginning that said, you know, this team simply wasn't prepared. As bad as this game was, if the Dolphins hadn't been shooting themselves in the foot, they could have been right in the thick of things. You've got to, you know, you go three and out, three and out. You finally get a first down, and then you immediately throw an interception uh, right after the, uh, it was right after the Bills fumbled the ball. They fumbled the ball. They let you into the game. You get the ball in their territory, and then Jacoby Brissett floats one up there towards Mike Kosicki that gets picked off, right? And that's mistake number one. Then you immediately force the Bills to go three and out. You get the ball back. You go on a 13-play, six-minute drive down the field. A drive that goes six minutes because Devontae Parker drops a touchdown pass. Albert Wilson drops a pass that he might be able to catch and run with and get into the end zone. And then Jakeem Grant, of all people, Jakeem Grant catches a pass and, and fumbles the ball away. Right, I, I don't need to get into how much I never want to see Jakeem Grant out there running routes, catching and attempting to handle the football on on a on a play from scrimmage ever again. Right, let him return kicks. Fine, I don't want to see him out there catching passes and being responsible for the football in that situation. It's a nightmare. But anyway, the Dolphins shoot themselves in the foot there. Right when they've got an opportunity to make this a game, Dolphins, if they can fi figure out a way to get into the end zone, this is a game. Right. But they shoot themselves in the foot. They shoot themselves in the foot 
later when, when Waddle muffs the punt, when the Dolphins are going to have an opportunity to at least get some points on the board. Um, I also thought there was some pretty bad play calling in this game. I think there were some, I, I don't typically get on coaches for going for it on fourth downs, but there were a couple of times where I'm like, why are you going to try to give the bills such a short field here? Why don't you kick a field goal? But they were going for it and going for it. And it was just, it was just kind of a mess. Right. So that's the thing that was so frustrating. Another thing that was so frustrating about this game is that the Dolphins were inflicting pain upon themselves. It wasn't like Buffalo came out and just destroyed the Dolphins. This wasn't the, this wasn't the last game in 20, 2020 when the Dolphins went up to Buffalo and just got boat raced. Right. This wasn't that. This was the Dolphins just playing sloppy, bad football and not and not, quite frankly, being prepared. It was just a disaster. Yeah. And and what I'll say is, again, about the defense, keeping Miami in it and then Miami really, you know, just not making the most of their opportunities. But still, you go into halftime only down 14. And I expected you're at home, you're down uh-huh. 14. It was an abysmal half. Yep. You, you know, the defense had kind of figured things out. That if we come out of halftime, we we should come out, you know, on fire there, ready to have the best half of our lives. And and the defense has the chance to set the tone for the second half. Mm -hmm. So I'm not going to give the defense a pass because when the defense had the chance to set the tone for the second half, the Bills drove right down the field and put the game away. That's true. And so that goes to show me and what it should go to show you is that even though this defense can be really good, first off, the, the Bills are on a whole other level compared to us. We're nowhere near them. And secondly, we are just, we are not ready for prime time. We are not close. No. The Bills, when they wanted to, had their way at the beginning of the game when they when they wanted to set the tone, they set the tone. Miami kind of stemmed the tide for a little bit, kind of hung around. Maybe the Bills maybe took their foot off the gas because how could they not? It's human nature they they to not feel threatened when your opponent is playing as poorly as the Dolphins were. But then, come second half, the Dolphins defense with a chance, really both teams with a chance to set the tone for the second half, the Bills did it. The Dolphins didn't. And the fact that they did that in Miami with a one o'clock game, I mean, enough of this home field advantage crap because the Bills pissed all over the Dolphins home field yeah. advantage. Yeah, it was it was it was bad. It was a sad state of affairs indeed. So uh, let's see. Is there, what, is there anything else to discuss before we really dive into this offensive line? No, I, I I think let's go, let's go there. Let's get there. Let's talk about it. So listen, th- this was such a bad performance, and I'm gonna, I'm going to say something now, and it's going to make some people upset. Might make some people upset. And as if anybody wasn't upset already, I might I might be about to upset some people. Okay, because listen, there was this game was so bad that you had certain members of this Miami Dolphins fan base getting on social media right right before the game was even over, and they were demanding that the Miami Dolphins need to go out there and make a trade for a certain player on the Houston Texans. 
And I was sitting there and I was and I was going, you know what? They're right. I agree. The Miami Dolphins absolutely need to go and make a move right now and make a trade for a certain player on the Houston Texans. They absolutely need to do it. Send them, send them whatever you need to send to get that player on this team. Because I swear to God, if at the end of this week, if the end of this upcoming week, Laramie Tunsil isn't the left tackle for your Miami Dolphins, there's a serious problem. So trade for Laramie Tunsil. You don't have to trade for Laramie Tunsil. Just the, the Eichenberg is okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look, he's certainly as for, better than. I, I know that I know there was tongue in cheek there, and I know who you're referring to, and it's not really Laramie Tunsil. And I know you were not on board with them trading. We're not talking about the other guy right now because it, it, listen, I. That guy has played behind some atrocious offensive lines. I don't know that he's played behind an offensive line this bad. Potentially. Maybe that's why they wanted him so bad. The problem is, is that where we're at right now, and we don't need to beat around the bush. Like, look, let's talk about Deshaun Watson. There's a lot no, of No, there's nothing that, to talk about there. He's not coming. They're not going to make well, that look, move. There, right is a, there is something to talk about because there's a lot of people that aren't sold on Tua, and there's a lot of people that believe that if you put Deshaun Watson on this team, regardless of the offensive line, that the Dolphins have a chance of being a really good football team because that's how good Deshaun Watson is. And I'm not necessarily sure that I completely disagree with that. The problem is, is that where we're at as a franchise is that the Dolphins would trade for Deshaun Watson and then he'd be in prison the following week. <laughs> right. Yeah, right. There it is. That's the, that's the thing. You can't make it's a, it's a move you cannot make at this point. You can't make the move. You can't trade all the picks unless you can. Listen, we figured it. Listen, if the Dolphins were going to make the move, the move would have been made already. Right. There was a holdup because Houston didn't want to give them any protection on those picks and the Dolphins weren't really willing to make that move. Are the Dolphins going to be willing to make that move if this continues for the next 15, 16 weeks? Who knows? Who knows? But the problem, listen, the problem right now, quite frankly, is this offensive line. And we need to get into it. We need to talk about this offensive line because it's bad. And the thing is that it's not. It's not bad because it's just we've got this combination of five guys and and the depth pieces behind them, and then that is just bad. Like, I mean, that is bad. That is a problem, right? What's really bad is that this is the offensive line we have, and it is the culmination of three years of rebuilding, and this is the offensive line we have. The Dolphins have devoted so much money so much draft capital, premium draft capital to building this offensive line. And the best player on this offensive line as it stands right now is a guy, Michael Dieter, who's playing center, who's not, who's he's in his third season and he's just now playing center for the first time, Wait you know, playing did you, consistently. Did you say Michael center. Dieter is our best offensive lineman? Well, at the moment. At the we moment, I mean, listen, we are bad. But wait, it's like if I went, if I went up, if I went upstairs, okay, it's folks, this is getting a little uh, not safe for, for work here today, but it's okay. I'm a little fuming, right? Okay. If I went upstairs and I took a dump five times, okay, and I said one of those was the best one, it's still a huge turd. Inevitably. Inevitably, there has to be a best one. Right. 
So, listen, you, you know, you can polish a turd, and at the end of the day, it's still a turd. You could polish a turd, and at the end of the day, it's still Michael Dieter. <laughs> listen, Michael Dieter, I mean, that's maybe a little bit harsh on Michael Dieter, but uh, what, what I'm trying to I say. See, you said it. I just, I just clarified it. I'm just trying to make a point here, right? Okay. The, the point is this, Dolphin, this Dolphins offensive line is not great, right? And you've got Michael Dieter, a guy that you've shifted around to numerous positions, and he's this is the guy? And this is one of the best guys. It's like your best play, your best offensive linemen are, are you got Michael Dieter, who's playing center for the first time in his third year. You had to move him around. You've got Bob Hunt, who you had to move around. And you've got a rookie, Eichenberg, who's like, okay, maybe we maybe we hit on Eichenberg. But I, I, Eichenberg, you know, it took it took Austin Jackson going on the COVID list for you to put him in. And, and then it's Jesse Austin, Davis getting hurt. Right. And Jesse Davis getting hurt. So it's like, I, I don't know, like, you know, you can go down the rabbit hole. You look at all the various permutations of offensive linemen that we've had over the course of the last three years. And the one guy, like the one sort of really good veteran that came in and was an effective offensive lineman for the Dolphins was a guy in Eric Flowers that you gave such a bloated contract to that you had to trade him away to, and pay him to play for somebody else. Well, I mean, he wasn't good either, but I mean... We could use him. We're paying him six million dollars. We're paying him six million dollars. He might as well. We might as well have him on the roster. You're telling me this offensive line wouldn't be better with uh, Eric Flowers on it? Can't be worse. Oh, this this offensive line is just when you talk about an organization wanting to rebuild, and Brian Flores has said, and we've we've quoted him on this show many times quoted him as saying that this team is either going to succeed or fail because of the guys that these young guys that are on the team. This is a team that is invested in its young guys, right? And at this point in time, the investment that the Dolphins have made on the offensive line have not paid off at all. And like Eichenberg, it's, it's too soon to judge on Eichenberg, but otherwise... I mean, and Michael Dieter, you finally seem to be getting something out of, but it took three years for you to find the right spot for him. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it, there is no greater advertisement or billboard to sort of illustrate the failure of what of what Chris Greer is trying to do than this offensive line at the moment. Yeah, and and so I want to piggyback on that 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 this is a failure by Chris Greer. Um, I mentioned it at the top and look, you're going to have people that are calling for Chris Greer to be fired. Um, You're not going to make any rash decisions in week two because there's, you're not going to, it's not going to do anything. It's not going to solve anything. You need to let the, the season play out, but he should probably be on the hot seat. And this is the problem. This Dolphins franchise, since Steven Ross has been the owner, The first decision, you had Bill Parcells bring in his guys. That was the last time prior to this regime that you had a coach and a GM on the same page 
with a clear singular vision. Because remember, Parcells came in. He was the czar of football. He brought in Ireland to be the, the GM. And Sperano was their, their puppet head coach. Uh, once Parcells left town and, and you realize that, uh, you know, the quarterback issue was kind of blown up and, you know, Ireland hadn't really done a good job and Sperano wasn't really a good coach. They fired Sperano, but they kept Ireland and then they had to bring in, they, they wouldn't even let Ireland hire the coach. So you ended up with this, this clunky uh, match of Ireland and Philbin and they never saw eye to eye. So then you had to fire, you know, Ireland, but then you, then instead of going out and getting a real GM, they, you know, Stephen Ross had the caveat of whoever I hire as the GM can't, you know, can't hire his own coach. They've got to have Joe Philbin. So that led to a one year, uh, you know, hickey experience. And then you brought in Tannenbaum, who is the king of, you know, putting yourself in salary cap hell. And we did that. And I don't even know who the GM was for all those years. I, I, I don't even know who the GM was. I mean, you know, Tannenbaum was like in charge, but you had like Donna. You had like five different people running the show with different, uh, you know, responsibilities as far as building the roster and making personnel decisions. So finally, you, you had the opportunity. You decided we're going to take three steps back to take 10 steps forward and we're going to clean house and they cleaned house with everybody except for Chris Greer. So Chris Greer gets promoted when the entire organization, the entire front office gets cleaned out, but Chris Greer keeps his job. So is it nice that you finally have a GM and a coach on the same page? Yes, the problem is the GM never deserved that job in the first place. And now we're in this spot where we like our coach, but we have major question marks about the GM who never should be the GM. And now you have this issue where, well, what do you do if you fire him? Do you clean house? Because that's the way you're supposed to do it. Or do you have to go out and find another GM that sees eye to eye with Brian Flores and you put yourself back in this same little cluster bleep that we've been in. And that is the reason why we have a show called the same old dolphin show, because it's been the same old bleep show for the past 20 years. I like that you're throwing in the bleeps and you're actually saying bleep, which is really nice. I appreciate that you're trying I'm to keep trying this to be a family really show. Hard. We're trying really it's a, hard. It's a family show. We appreciate that. Um, yeah, listen, I, 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 I tweeted it out during the game. I said, you know, a lot of these, a lot of Chris Greer's offensive line chickens are coming home to roost in this game. And boy, they sure did. And it was just, Every aspect of the game was was bad, but offensive line in particular. And so now the next thing that you do is and listen, I, I you sit there and you watch it and you watch the game. And this was like extra salt in the wound is that after you watch the Dolphins play that game, the Sunday night nationally televised game was Kansas City and, and Baltimore. And you sit and you watch that game and you go. Dolphins are nowhere near either one of these teams. And you would have hoped that this year the Dolphins would be at least making progress towards one. And it's like when you look at these two games that the Dolphins have played this year, and yeah, listen, they got a win. That's big. It's big that they got that win, right, in New England. That win in New England is now even bigger than it was at the time, right? But you you look at this team and you like, I, I don't 
know that the Dolphins are anywhere near being able to compete with those teams. Right. And like, this isn't a game about this isn't. Yes. I know that the next step in the progression is that the Dolphins, we really want them to make the playoffs this year. And, you know, and, and nobody's interested in listening to uh, that conversation right now, but the Dolphins are very much a team that could still wind up in the playoffs this year. But I don't know how you look at the Dolphins. You look at Kansas city, you look at Baltimore and you look at the Dolphins and go, yeah, definite Super Bowl contender right there. It's they're just not right. So that was just a little bit of extra salt in the wound where it's like, it's not at this point, it's not even cohesive at this point. You watch those two games and you don't even see you saw for two drives in the game against new England. You saw the vision of what the dolphins offense could be the first drive of the game against new England and the first drive of the second half against new England. You saw the vision of what the dolphins could be. Right. And that wasn't even the complete vision because Will Fuller wasn't on the field. Right. It wasn't the full complement of weapons. But that's it through two games. Granted, it's just two games. There are 15 more to play. But at this point, you, you got to go. I thought this was a franchise that was on an upward trajectory. And at this point, it's looking more like maybe that maybe the the line that was trending up is kind of moving sideways, if not moving slightly down. Right. So it was troubling. It was troubling to see. But all of that being said, all of that ranting and raving being what it was, at the end of the day, it was one game. And this isn't me trying to make anybody feel better. This is me as I'm sitting here uh, today, the, you know, the, the Monday after a victory, you know how it's like you're walking around and you got your chest puffed out. You're feeling good, you know, blah, 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 blah. Today, I was feeling miserable all day because the Dolphins were so bad on Sunday. And I'm sitting here going, well, how? I got, there are 16 weeks of regular season football left, right? Play two games, there are still 16 weeks left. How do I, how do I make the right? I don't want to live in this place for the next, you know, this mental headspace for 16 weeks. So how can I like take this and look at it and, and, try to feel, you know, try to take some sort of silver lining and try to make myself be able to turn it around and, uh, you know, feel better going forward. Well, the and answer... the first thing I told myself was, well, you know, it was a couple of years ago, the first game of the season, the Dolphins lost 56 to 10 and then lost 43, nothing. And then I, and then I was like, that doesn't make me feel better because that was when the team had stripped everything away and was trying to make the team as bad as possible yeah so so here's the thing uh one look you're only uh you know a walk to your refrigerator away to find some some more dolphins kool-aid you'll be you'll be fine but here's how you you get that kool-aid at the end of the day the last two seasons have shown us that the Dolphins have played their best football as the season has progressed. They have gotten better as the year has gone on. So there is reason to be optimistic that they will figure it out and that they will get better. Uh, I don't believe that they're as bad as this 35 nothing score indicates. I believe that the Bills are significantly better than us, but we even mentioned it. This could have been a game uh, you know, at halftime, this could have been a game. This could have been a completely different game if the Dolphins don't make some really uncharacteristic mistakes. And 
you know, then at the end of the game, the game kind of gotten under, you know, you're going for it on fourth down deep in your own territory. Like the defense has been on the field for the entire game. At some point, the levy is going to break and the, the flood is going to, is going to rush through. And that's what happened. I don't believe that the bills are 35 points better than Miami, uh, but we're clearly far away from them. And the concerning thing is, is that you've got playoff aspirations. So how do you turn this season around and how confident are you that they can turn it around? But at the end of the day, I'm going to say the same thing that I said prior to week one and your confidence level may be wavering. It may be where it was at the start of the season. It may be in a different place, but at the end of the day, as much as I want to see this team make the playoffs, this season to me is not about whether or not the Dolphins make the playoffs, even though that's obviously the goal. This season is about finding out whether or not we have a franchise quarterback. And we didn't get a very large sample size in this week, but we're two weeks in now. It's two weeks out of 17, so we're nowhere near the finish. But we're two weeks in, and I would say that the majority of the fan base, if you're looking at it objectively, would lean more towards, I don't think he's the answer, than I think that he's the, or then I know that he's the answer. Because at the end of the day, you don't want to end this season saying, I think that Tua is the answer. You want to end this season saying, I know that Tua is the answer. Because if you don't end this season saying that, then we've got bigger problems than just fixing the offensive line. We still have to find our franchise quarterback. Right. And well, and that's, that brings me to a tweet that we got from uh, three kids are blessing and said, uh, the, the question was before the season started, if I told you we'd be one and one after the first two games, most would have been happy. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know yesterday was an ugly, terrible loss, but Tua is seven and four and he hardly played yesterday. Can this team still rebound and win 11 games? Yes, but I feel less confident about it after this one. Um, at the, look, at the, at the end of the day, if, if you find if you find a way to win next week against Vegas, I mean, the, this game is going to be pretty much forgotten because it, 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 you're, you know you're going to be in a spot where you're going to be in position. We we said coming into the season the the tough part of the schedule was the first five weeks. They have right. a five-week brutal stretch, and then they end the game with three tough games. And then the middle of their schedule is extremely soft. So if they find a way to have a winning record through five weeks, they're going to be in position to win double digits and maybe 11 games and make the playoffs. Uh, the problem is right now it's kind of hard to pick us going to – I mean, I, I had that as a win coming into the season. But so right now – to me, if you're picking the Dolphins to go into Vegas and beat the Raiders, it's as bad as picking the Dolphins to win this past week against Buffalo. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's difficult to see how they go into that game and, and get the win. We'll dive into it, you know, later later in the week when we come back and do the, our next show. But right now, it, it's it's tough. It's it's tough to see how they do that. But you know, I wonder if. I wonder if the uh, if there isn't a question out there about it, it was a tweet that came up and I don't know if it was it was um, 
Omar Kelly, I think, that brought it to light. And it was like, and it was showing all of the all of the quarterbacks of the past couple of years, right? The past couple of years, we saw uh we we saw that you've got Justin Herbert and uh Kyler Murray, and you've got Joe Burrow, and you've got Jalen Hurts, and you've got Trevor Lawrence, and you've got all of these, you know, Mac Jones, whatever. The only one of those quarterbacks, the only one of these young quarterbacks in the league with a winning record is Tua Tungavailoa. Is there something to that? Yeah, he had the best defense out of all of those teams. That's all you have to say about that. Yes. You don't think that there's something more that goes into it, that there isn't some sort of intangibles? Because, I mean, think about that Arizona game where, where he let it rip. So he had a good game, and they beat Arizona, who was a bad football team with a bad defense. Um, but Tua did not put up great offensive numbers. Tua had a, a, a top-five scoring defense, so he didn't have to do much. That's why he had a winning record. I mean, they're, they're, I don't understand how you can argue that point. I mean, you could sit here and you could say, look, he had a winning record. I can't argue that. It's, it is it is what it is. He, he objectively had a winning record. But if you want to dig into it and say, what is the, why did he have a winning record? You can't sit here and, and really be saying he had a winning record because Tua magically made the Dolphins play better. He had a winning well, record because the Dolphins team as a whole was better than those other teams. And the reason that the Dolphins team was better than those other teams was not because of Tua or or the talent that they had on offense, because we've belabored how bad that is. It's because the defense was good. That's literally it. If okay, the defense was bad, Tua would have a losing record. I, I, you could argue that, but you could also argue that he has done enough to get the team what they need to do. And you could say, you can say that Tua is at the, like Tua's floor is still better than what the best was on some of these other quarterbacks that the Dolphins have had recently. Look, I'm, I like Tua, but I'm not going to sit here and make excuses and apologize for the guy. Like at the end of the day, if you put Justin Herbert on the Dolphins last year and you put Tua on the Chargers last year, the Chargers have a losing record still and the Dolphins have a winning record still. The difference is because the Dolphins defense was better. That's all there is to it. We don't need to sit here and do all these mental calisthenics to try to figure out why Tua to, to bring in intangibles, intangibles, half the freaking clubhouse. Half the locker room was behind Ryan Fitzpatrick. Half the locker room didn't even want Tua to be the starting quarterback last year. Intangibles, he magically made them play better. Maybe the re okay, I got another one for you. Here's the reason why the Miami Dolphins, why Tua had a better record than those other quarterbacks. I'm ready. Because Listen. his backup quarterback was Ryan Fitzpatrick. That hey, that might be that might be a good answer. And that might suffice. But let me put let me put it to you this. Let me put it to you this way then. What does this Miami Dolphins team need to do to ensure that Tua has a winning record 
in 2021, and not just Tua, but the entire Miami Dolphins. What does this team need to do, particularly offensively, because we know that the defense has it together. What does this offense need to do to put it, to get it together, to get themselves together so that it can function? Because I can, I, I'll say this, the answer certainly isn't going to be simply Will Fuller. Will Fuller isn't going to magically show up this Sunday, which by the way, Will Fuller was back in the, in the at the facility today, he's all set. Sounds like he's going to play on Sunday, finally make his debut. But I'll that's not going to solve all it. the problems. That's not going to solve the problem. So my question is, what do they need to do to get this offense clicking? Honestly, it's it's simple. And this is the reason why I'm not going to go off the rails and just say we need to fire everybody and that the season's over. Because the truth is, the, the fix is simple. It's fundamentals. And that's really where Brian Flores has kind of, you know, put his mark, his stamp on this team. The things that they need to do are block, uh, know, know their assignments, and catch the ball. Like, no, they're not fair. complex things. These are very simple things to do. Yeah, it, it really is. Look, there is a talent issue. Uh, I don't believe that the talent issue is as bad uh, at wide receiver. Although we, I'd be remiss if I if I'd said that I wasn't concerned uh, about Jalen Waddle as exciting as he is. The fact that he's got three drops and a muff punt in two weeks it's it's an issue. It's something to keep an eye on. But I feel good about our receiving core if Will Fuller is there. I feel good about overall our weapons. The offensive line is a major question mark, but I don't think that's like earth-shattering news to anybody. It was no. awful this week. But, you know, not every week are you going to go up against uh, a defense like Buffalo. I mean, they're, they're really kind of loaded. I mean, they're, so my they're, like the, the fix is – is simple. It's just fundamentals. They can play better. And then at the end of the day, what's ultimately going to decide where this team goes and whether or not they're a playoff team is how good is Tua. Right. So we don't know that we, we don't know that. And we're not going to know that it's going to play itself out. And that's why that's what this season is all about. But So here's the, and here's, so here's my question, right? And, and this is, and it brings us back to what we were talking about right at the beginning is, is this is what the Dolphins are dealing with on the offensive line? Is that something that is fixable? Because like I want to go, uh, Mr. Ballgame is in in the comments here, and he said that the Dolphins need coaching, right? Is it is it a something that can be fixed with coaching? If they fire Lemuel Saint Pierre and bring somebody else in to be the offensive line coach, is that going to fix the problem, or is this a problem where you're looking at you got to, you know, is it is it deeper than that? Well, look, you know, in the, in the long run. In the long run, yes, they're going to need to continue to work on this offensive line from a talent perspective because it's not there. But I do believe, but, you know, they can get better and they can gel as a unit and become better. The problem is you're not going to get better, you, you know, magically by changing the, first off, you're, you're not going to just hire an offensive line coach and all of a sudden, you know, the, it's the third offensive line coach. It, it, it doesn't make a difference. It's not that big of a, uh, you know, of a difference that it's going to make. Um, you just need to keep working and keep getting better. Know your assignments. Look, 
Austin Jackson needs to get better. He might not ever get better. Like it is what it is. He might not be very good. Liam Eikenberg, on the other hand, looks looks pretty good. Uh, something you know, there. There's something Bob there. Hunt had a rough game yesterday, but overall, I think everybody to a T would say coming into la- uh, coming into yesterday's game that Bob Hunt looks like he's going to be a really good player for this team. Uh, there are pieces on that offensive line. They just need to tighten up to know where their assignments are. They need to be better prepared in in the backfield and at quarterback in calling out and recognizing where these extra rushers are coming from and having a game plan for it. Uh, These are things that are very fixable. Some things are not going to get fixed. Austin Jackson is not going to suddenly turn into a franchise left tackle. And because of that, that's going to be an issue all year long. But there are ways to game plan around that, knowing that that's the case. They they can be fine, but in the long term, they're going to need better players. And in the long term, I don't know that we have the GM, the people picking the players that are ultimately going to make the biggest difference. I will say this. You want a silver lining? It's way too early for us to be talking about next offseason and what we're going to do differently. But... The one thing that I'll say about Chris Greer, his cap manipulation and his the way he structured contracts and moved players and traded and done all this, the Dolphins may have the most – they're scheduled to have the most cap space of any team in the league next year. So Well, that's fine. That's all fine and good. It's all great to have all kinds of cap space. But what we've seen thus far is that this organization's ability to judge and, and evaluate talent – is poor when it comes to finding offensive linemen. Right. And that's why you just go out there and you just, you, you, you do what the same old Dolphins thing to do is, which is you just say, ah, screw it. We're just going to overpay. We're just going to, we are just going to overpay and get the biggest guy on the market just to, to, to fix this offensive line. Uh, And then the good thing is, is that you've, you've, Pretty much, I mean, there there's still some work to be done in the front seven on defense. And, you know, we also need to comment about, you know, where is uh, Jalen Phillips? Uh, I think it's worth noting that Jalen Phillips, first-year rookie, getting lots of excuses because he's not getting on the playing field and everybody's saying, well, he's a rookie. Give him time to develop. Meanwhile, the Buffalo Bills, first-year rookie, Greg Rousseau, same team as Jalen Phillips. Right in Miami's backyard. He seems to be doing fine. So, I mean, there's there's problems in evaluating talent on both sides of the ball. And I'm not sure we have the right guy picking the players. But for this season, as far as how does this team turn things around? At the end of the day, we're one and one. And, and, and it's really simple things. It's really just block, catch the ball. Don't put the ball on the ground. Don't make stupid penalties, Brandon Jones. Uh, and, you know, we've got to shut. It's You're not going to play Buffalo every week. Buffalo is a legit Super Bowl contender. Vegas looks good. We're going on the road. I don't know that that's a win, but I certainly think that we have an opportunity. 
Well, there's certainly there's certainly opportunity. The the Dolphins have opportunity. And that's the thing. We don't want to get bogged down in what, it, what an awful experience Sunday's game was, right? Because there is plenty of time to turn things around. But it's a matter of, and you look at what uh, Flores said today, where he's like, we're going to look at personnel. We're going to figure out what we need to do to fix things, right? And I don't know if personnel strictly means players or if he's looking at coaches too, because we have seen that this team has dismissed coaches, right? They've been very quick on the trigger with certain things. And if things continue on, I, I don't know that two weeks is is a, a big enough of a sample size to go that, you know, to make a decision that this guy does, that certain people don't know what they're doing. But at this point, it's been pretty atrocious. At least this part, last game was. And so I'm curious as to see what kind of changes the Dolphins can make to you know, right the ship because, and I guess if there's a, you know, to talk about another silver lining here with the fact that this schedule is so brutal right now is that the dolphins are going to need to take this experience. It's a good thing in some ways that they put such awful play on film last week against Buffalo, because now they have this as an example and hopefully they can sit down and look at that film and figure out how to diagnose these problems. And then he can get Michael Dieter first year center to help communicating with the other guys around him to help pick out those protections and help make that, make it so that everybody's on the same page, right? These are the things that the dolphins need to do. They need to work on that communication. They need to work on identifying what kind of blitzes are going to be coming at them. They need to figure all of those things out. And you're, you're right. We may very well need to find yet another offensive coordinator. All of these things are on the table and we're going to find out as things play out over the next several weeks, what this coaching staff is made of just as much as what these players are made of. And for all of the things that everybody wants to say about Brian Flores saying the right thing and doing the right thing, he is involved with Chris Greer in hiring the rest of this coaching staff. And if things don't start to turn around as far as that goes. I mean, the fact that you're hiring new people every year at a certain point, at a certain point, it's not the people that are getting fired. I'll say that much. And, 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 and to be fair to Chris Greer, <laughs> something that I've never been accused of doing, uh, the coaching staff is all Brian Flores. Like Brian Flores has autonomy to hire his staff. It was a Brian Flores decision to have Godsey and uh, and Studsville be the offensive coordinators. It was a weird decision that nobody saw coming, that everybody questioned, and then everybody just kind of said, well, I guess we'll see how this plays out. Well, we're two weeks in. How's it playing out so far? Just be yeah. honest. It's, it's early, but let's be honest. It hasn't looked very good, and I think most most – Dolphins fans would look at it and say, you know, I kind of wish we would have hired an experienced offensive coordinator who knew what they were doing. And then maybe we would, you know, be better prepared offensively for when the defense comes out with these jailbreak blitzes and we don't know what the hell we're doing. Yeah. And so, and then we have, and the rest of the offense is just as clueless. So it's a, uh, it's a mess right now. And we've got to hope that the Dolphins can right the ship and hopefully they can look at that bad film and they can look at 
I mean, they can learn some tough lessons based on what they did last week and laid down on film against Buffalo. And that when it comes time to really start preparing for this game on Sunday against uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, that you've got, you know, you've got a plan in place and you can hopefully do a little better because right now uh, these Raiders are uh, going to be, listen, they're no pushover, you know, they're, they're no pushover. And while the Raiders tend to not play their, tend to play their best football at the beginning of the year, this is the beginning of the year. Well, you know, the they is, sort of fade down the stretch where the Dolphins get better at down the stretch. Well, you know what? This is it. You got a team in Vegas that probably remembers what happened to them uh, last Christmas. Yeah. And we're going back into their place, back to the scene of the crime. They're playing better than ever. The Dolphins are playing I want to say worse than ever, but to be perfectly honest, the Dolphins really were playing pretty poorly going into that game, and we're lucky yeah, to win that true. game. If you really want to look at it, we, we came into the season with a lot of optimism, but the Dolphins lost that game against the Broncos. Uh, they really played poorly against the Raiders, got blown out of the water against the Bills, were really lucky to beat the Patriots last week and then got blown out of the water again. We've really haven't played well since like, you'd have to really go back to like, like early November last year (laughs) to, to really look at like the dolphins playing well. So this is more games in a row than people realize that the dolphins really haven't played that well. And so it's all, I mean, look, it's one game. If you win this game next week, everybody's going to feel a whole lot better about the whole season and where this franchise is going long term. But if they lose this game, I think you really need to start looking at it and say, how legitimate was that 10 win season last year? And was it just another example of the Dolphins having a fluky 10 year season and what has been 20 years of being mired in mediocrity? Yeah, and I think that's true. And I think you got to look at you got to look at the results in the at the body of work. You got to look at the body of work. You can't look at individual results. If the Dolphins come out and put out another flaccid performance against Vegas and 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 lose pretty badly, that's going to be a problem. If they come out and they look different and they look electric and they look exciting and they lose a close one, okay, different story. But if they lose the game and they they look you know, not significantly better than what they've looked like. You, we we got to start to have a conversation. We got to start to have a conversation. But at the moment, this is a, um, I don't know if it was a warning shot so much as like they, I mean, I mean, it's a warning shot, but I mean, it's a warning shot that did a lot more damage than I think we may have expected. Right. So we've got to see whether or not that warning shot means that we're going to start taking on water here. Um, don't want to panic too much because again, early in the season, long way to go. And and we've seen that these Brian Flores teams get better as the season goes along. But right now, if you're a Dolphin fan and you're not at least a little bit alarmed at what we're seeing, I don't know what to tell you. Well, where are you on the panic meter? Right now? How high does the does the one to go? ten? Ten is I'm I'm done. I'm ready to fire everybody. I'm freaking out. One is, hey, I ain't even worried about it. We're making the playoffs. I'd say I'm probably about a six. That's where I'm at. I'd, I'd say I'm about a six. That's where I, 
I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not ready to, I'm not ready to clean house, but I would say I am very skeptical. I would say that I am watching very carefully and I am not in a place where I am going to fall for papered over cracks. That yeah, and that's that that's where I'm I'm more concerned than I am optimistic, but I'm not, you know, freaking out. I expected the Dolphins to lose this game. I obviously expected it to be closer, but I I also don't feel like we are 35 points worse than Buffalo. Sometimes you just get this perfect storm of, you know, you go up against a team that's way better than you and you play like crap. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what that's what happened in this game. I'm not saying that we win that game if we play better, but I think Miami could play a lot better. And that is a really close game. Uh, you know, but we're still, we're still clearly a cut below the, the elite teams. And I think that I, I still believe that we are where I thought we would be, which is, I think we're a fringe playoff team. I think we're one of a group of teams in the AFC. Cause like I said, I really only think that there's uh, a handful of bad teams in the AFC that have no designs on making the playoffs. And those are the jets, Jaguars and Bengals. Other than that, yeah. I think every single team in the AFC has a legitimate shot at being a playoff team. So you can take that what, however you want. You could say, well, Aaron's off his rocker because he thinks the Dolphins have as good a shot as making the playoffs as like the Pittsburgh Steelers. But you could also say, well, Aaron is right on the money because he thinks that the Dolphins are, are equal to the Denver Broncos, which I think that's the reality. I think that there are four or five really good teams in the AFC, those being Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, uh, probably Cleveland. Uh, I, I think Tennessee is going to be there at the end. And then I think, you know, I'm not, I, I, I mean, Baltimore maybe. And then I think after that, there's just a group of teams that are all going to be in the hunt. And then it's just a matter of, you know, like we say every year, you know, there's there's a few good teams at the top. There's a few really bad teams at the bottom. And then there's about 20 teams in the middle. And it's just, you know, how do the bounces go? How does that one field goal go? You know, who gets the, the bad call at the right at the wrong time? Right. That's that's where we're at. We're one of those teams in the middle. Yep, that's where we're at. And, you know. We'll just have to see where things go from here. It it. If this was a messy win, a messy, a messy one. And uh, at the end of the day, you got to shake it off and move on because you got, you got 15 games left, right? So there's still a long way to go. You're in the toughest part of your schedule. It, it hurts extra because you've got this team that is like, just that owns you and you can't do anything. You seem the Dolphins seemingly can't do anything about it, right? They've lost six straight to this team. Most of the time, it hasn't even been terribly close or competitive. And, you know, you, you, that just sucks because it's like you you just got done living in this era where Tom Brady and the New England Patriots were going to be the top of the division every single year. And you were striving to catch them, but it, you were really battling for second place every year. And now you you want you think you are thinking Dolphins fans are thinking that we are a team that now this is our moment, our opportunity to really 
battle out, right? The, the door is wide open. This is our chance to take over as the kings of the AFC East. And now you've got the Buffalo Bills who are there, who won the division last year, and you have lost six consecutive times to this team. And even the last time you beat them, you can argue that you should have lost that game too. So anyway, uh, at this point, it's a, uh, it's a, it's, it's just tough, but you got to shake it off. And at the end of the day, you've got another game on Sunday. And like you said, Bryn, even like it's one, it, this is the thing that's so, is so interesting, right? About me, about football, because we take it in such small sample sizes with one game a week is the dolphins could put out an ugly performance and, you know, get a, a you know, a, gritty, gutsy win along the lines of their week one win against the Patriots, against the Raiders, right? They could go and it could be kind of ugly for most of it, but they get the win and then you come home and everybody's happy, right? And then if it's that exact same game, but the Raiders kick a field goal at the end of it and you lose the game, you want to fire everybody. I'll tell you how it happens. It's We're 45 yards away. Five seconds left. Oh, God. Tua just got hurt. Oh, God. Again. Broken glass. Who, who is that? Wait a minute. Whose music is that? Out comes in a wheelchair, Ryan Fitzpatrick, broken hip and all, delivers a Hail Mary from his wheelchair. Preston Williams comes down with it. Miami Dolphins. Oh, see, I was with you until it came down to Preston Williams making a catch. <laughs> I was right, with well, you. Well, I mean, I, I didn't know who to go with. Who, uh, nobody, unrealistic. I, I don't know. Who, I couldn't come up with a Dolphin receiver that catch the ball. I guess uh, that's fair. fair. I mean, that's you know, a good it's a good point. <laughs> Xavier Howard is in at wide receiver. <laughs> Makes the catch. Okay. I think we're done here. Yeah, I think uh, so. Listen. Folks, thank you for uh, joining us. If you're on the YouTube chat, we've been, we've been so anxious, been yelling. We haven't done any of the ad reads. We didn't tell people to go to Manscaped and use the promo code Dolphins Talk so they can get twenty percent off on all of their all of the um, excellent ball shaving technology that is there at Manscaped. So go to Manscaped.com. Promo code Dolphins Talk get twenty percent off. Go to BetUS. Use promo code Dolphins Talk get one hundred twenty five percent sign up bonus. Uh, go to the YouTube page. Those of you who are watching, we've got a big crowd watching us on YouTube tonight. We appreciate it. Thanks, everybody, for watching. We hope you've all subscribed to the channel and turned on notifications. Also, like this video. That's helpful. Um, and, uh, yeah, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at Amplified to Rock, at Aaron the Brain, at Same Old Dolphins. Make sure you visit DolphinsTalk.com each and every day for all the latest Miami Dolphins news and information. And uh, make sure that you download, rate, review, subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, everywhere you get your podcasts. Make sure that you are subscribed because that will help us out and it will help, uh, you know, it's just a nice thing to do. So leave us a review, leave us a rating. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. Listen, we're, we're both, we're all suffering through Dolphins games together. The least we can do is help each other out by giving each other positive Apple podcast reviews. Cause you know, it's a nice thing to do. All right. We'll be back later this week, previewing the Miami Dolphins trip to Vegas to take on the Raiders in a battle between a two and O uh, Raiders team and a one and one Miami Dolphins team. 
going to be an exciting one out there in Vegas. We'll be back to preview that. Also, uh, make sure you're checking out. I'm going to gonna have a new episode of Pick 6 with David Behrman coming your way on the Dolphins Talk YouTube this week as well. Uh, not Still not entirely sure what the format of that is going to be like because David is going to be in Vegas for the game on Sunday. So uh, it may just be uh, him making some drunken video that's going to look like an episode or look like a, a scene out of the... Um, the bachelor party what was the name of that movie is that it bachelor party what was the name of the movie hangover that's it the hangover see pop culture all right everybody thank you for joining us as always take care of yourselves and each other and we will talk to you again next time bye-bye everybody go dolphins